Hello and welcome at Book Lovers Companion. My name is Edith and right next to me is my lovely co-host, the Chattering Teacup. Hello. And here with us again, a guest from across the bond, Betty Meredith. Hello and welcome at Book Lovers Companion. Hello and welcome to y'all across the pond. This is so exciting <laughs> for me. I love it. I wish I was with you. I wish I was in Vienna with y'all. And I bet it's beautiful. Are, are the Christmas decorations up and everything? Mm, I think Some, so. Yeah. They started. They started a bit later than usual, but yeah. Christmas markets are open mm -hmm. now yeah, in yeah. Vienna. I would love to hit a Christmas market in Vienna. <laughs> It, it can be quite nice, although yeah. I think they only are nice when it's dark outside. Yeah. But yeah. there are lots of people when it's dark, so... Mm. Yeah, but there are some nice. markets. Yeah, so some, they're very beautiful. Some some yeah. of them are very beautiful. Yeah, you yeah. Can choose well, thank them. you for bringing me, to, bringing me there through your <laughs> podcast. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. <laughs> you are an author of the book South of Heaven, your debut which came out this year. And yeah. I have to tell you, I said so before we started the recording, it was a fascinating and wonderful read. Thank you for that. I, and I, it really does. It just thrills me to think of someone, you know, in Vienna reading South of Heaven set in North Carolina and thinking, okay, this is okay. I get it. But like, what was it? I mean... It was more than okay. It was, it was fascinating. I enjoyed your characters. I enjoyed the story. And like you said, Teacup, it's um, a family epic, so to speak. Yeah, family history yeah, epic. epic. Yeah. And your ensemble cast, again, we often had that in books, not just one person, but an ensemble of characters. They are interesting. Some of them are, um, like I told you, for example, your character Leona, Yeah. She is sometimes a bit, oh, come on, woman, <laughs> what is wrong with you? But yeah, she gets there. Yeah, I tell friends, when I when the book first came out and people were starting to read it, I was like, okay, just give Leanna a chance because yeah. you're going to want to stop reading in the second chapter. You're going to want to go, I am not dealing with her. Oh, and no. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, just hang with her, you yeah, know. Because you, you get to know her a little bit. Bit by bit uh, along the book when you read along and you learn about her past, her sister's past and so on. And you get you get where she comes from. You get to know why they are, mm. how they are, yeah. what made them. Right. And, you know, it took me a while to get to Leona because when I first started, had her as a character when she first showed up as Fern's sister, I was having trouble because she was a real stereotype. You know, she just cared about what everybody thought and she was just, and then it wasn't until I realized what she had done um, as a child, as a young girl, to take care of her sister and her brother in a, in a bad circumstance that I realized yeah. why she was so controlling. And, yeah. and then I could have some compassion for her. You know, that made me <laughs> have more compassion for her. And so she became more of a rounded, a real person, yeah. you know. Yeah. And you understand her better when you learn about her past. And like you said, what made her the person she is in the book. Yeah. 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 And also the others. I mean, what struck me, or one sentence or part of a sentence which struck me when I read your book, it's uh, fairly at the beginning I think a first or second chapter when you wrote the false front of Southern hospitality. 
Tell, tell us about Southern hospitality and, <laughs> and why why, and why is this or can it be a false front? I'm most interested because we are not from the American yeah, South. So what I'd like to know is you often hear about the South. Mm. What is it typically um, in, in the Southern states? What is it that makes you belong there? What's, what's the typical mm. behavior or something like in, in, in the South compared to the rest? Okay, so I'm kind of at a disadvantage because I've never lived anywhere else. But I have lived a lot of places in the South. My husband worked in commercial television broadcasting, and we moved a lot. I've lived in Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee, Columbia, South Carolina, Huntsville, Alabama. And there is a true Southern hospitality. There are actually, there really is, that's honest and pure and true. And then, but... There's also the, you know, how with everything, people can take something that's honest and true and there's the pretend. But I think if you're from the South, you recognize the the fault. You know, you know when somebody's pretending, mm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when they don't, they aren't really glad to see you or they don't really want you to come over, you know, like, oh, yeah, we'll have to get together. That means I am never going to see you again. <laughs> as long as I live, you know, just forget it. This is not going to happen. And it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a tone because I've had friends who, who've moved here to the South from like the North Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, don't people just, they don't mean what they say. And I'm like, no, they don't, you know, not all the time, (laughs) (laughs) but I think there's like a tiny inflection that if you're from the South, you you know if it's real. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there is, you know, the South um, American South is, you know, all the all that you know of the bad history is still with us. We're still trying to overcome uh, the horrors that we've we've had in our in our history. But there's also, I think, we all feel that there's something also good and special about the South and we're we're trying. I mean, there's nothing like a there's nothing like a liberal Southerner. I mean, you know, that person really, really has heart and really cares, you know. <laughs> but there is something special about the way of life here. It is slower, I think. And maybe not as not like it used to be. I mean, I think with everything else now we're a lot more like everywhere else. And there's been, you know, we're we're everywhere. But there's, I wish you guys could just come. You need to come over here. (laughs) (laughs) But the food, you know, we have our own, the the food thing is a big thing here. Mm -hmm. And we are very proud of our, um, our Southern food. Although I don't recommend everything. Like we lived in, we lived in Louisiana and I never did get into eating the crawfish Mm -hmm. thing. eat these crawfish and where I grew up in Virginia, we used to call that fish bait, you know, it's like we didn't so there's a lot of things, but does that even come close to answering the question? Yes, yes it does. And us yeah. also f- to fit in, play a part in being a Southerner, because that's something Leona, Leona mm-hmm. struggles with, because she said in the book that she always tried to fit in. And that's also something she taught her daughters. And maybe that's also the reason why one of her daughters can't cope with everything that's going on in the book. Do you think like a, that in the South it is more important to, let's mm. say, keeping keep up appearances than uh, somewhere else? 
I don't know. When I, I I used to think that, but then I met some people from the north mm-hmm. who were really trying to keep up appearances too. <laughs> and so it's like it's like okay, mm, I don't know. I think there's I think it's just people, mm. you know. And um, I'm so grateful to be older. Mm. Like I'm 66, and it's so good to to. To be, I think when you get older, you let go of so much of that. Yeah. And I think I was very, very fortunate to be raised in a family that was very accepting, and we didn't do a very good job of keeping up appearances. <laughs> we might have tried, you know, at some point, but um, but I think with my family, the truth, you know, like we could only hold it in so long. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, yeah. I was was very lucky to grow up in a family that was open. But and you feel bad for people who are stuck in that because, I mean, we have this one beautiful life and to live it trying to be something you're not is difficult. Yeah. And would you say that from all of your characters, we said it's an ensemble cast, that Dean is the most honest one of them all. He has no filter either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's why he's honest. He's He just doesn't get why you would not be. Yeah. And I just love that about him. It's because it makes absolutely no sense to him. And I think, wow, wouldn't that be something yeah. to not second guess so much that you say and do just to like when you see something say something like that saying goes but yeah dean he has no filter and he had no filter from the very beginning he was the first character that came to my head hmm. and the first scene that came to me was was uh him was dean as a child in that bamboo patch hmm. looking for like pretending like he found his dad and i had that i that's all i knew from but i knew that he I knew that Dean was different. I knew that he had something going on that made him different and think differently. And um, then he introduced me to the rest of his family. Ah, okay. So he's, you started with him. And each chapter is from a different perspective, from a different character. Did you also plan it that way or did it just happen? I think that's uh, as a... You know, as a debut novelist or whatever, I think that was the only way I could handle it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I writ, I wrote the book like in first person, um, but still had different chapters. Every character had a, their own chapter, and I, and I kind of liked that because I felt like everybody had their own point of view. And a better writer could have woven that in more through the. I'm trying to think of a book I just read recently, and I was like, wow. Oh, I know what it was. It was uh, Lessons in Chemistry. Mm-hmm. There's a, and and the I can't remember the woman who wrote it, but. You know, she gives everybody has their point of view, but it's it's woven in. It's not like chapter by chapter. But anyway, back to it. I think it even for whatever reason doing that, I think it worked because I wanted Dean to have a specific voice. And I definitely wanted Fern to have her voice and Leanna to have hers. And because they're just different people. So that kind of, it just worked for me, really. And, and how, I, sorry, and it also, I think from my point of view, it also works perfectly for the reader because, yeah. like I said, it keeps you going on to, to find out what else is going on and how, like you said, other other characters see things from a different perspective, perhaps. Right, right. The same situation, yep. you know, the, yep. the same situation differently. Yep, exactly. How difficult was it for you 
um, to keep track of all the different characters and their backstories and to differentiate the perspectives. I had to be careful, and I don't even, I, I don't know, that I probably messed it up, but I would repeat myself too much. You know, I would, <laughs> it was it was like I, there was something, what was it? I don't know, something about magazines on the floor. And for some reason, I I had magazines on the floor a lot. I mean, it was like, burn was real. <laughs> you know, it was like, clean up your house, girl. It's like, you know. I, when I was going back and looking at it, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got that magazine on the floor thing again. So little things like that. But I had really helpful readers. Um, I have great friends here. I guess we all, everybody feels like that about the place they live. But I feel like North Carolina is just an amazing place for writers. I have my friend Darnell Arnault, Karen Mott. It's, it's just so many good people that read the book and helped me, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the book is not set in the present time, but it is set in 1998. We have uh, the backdrop of the Clinton-Lewinsky thing. And we also have a thing further from the past um, popping up uh, again and again, the Vietnam War. Right. So well, just why? <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, that's good. I knew that I wanted Mac, Dean's father, to be missing in action. And I wanted him to be missing in action from the Vietnam War. And so uh, I didn't want it to be too far into the future because I wanted that to still be kind of possible mm-hmm. for him to be missing and and for it not to be that that long, you know, that he was missing. And There was something, you know, the Brooklyn and Monica Lewinsky thing was so, I mean, talk about people wanting things to not be the way they were. You know, it's like in the, when that happened, I remember uh, just like, oh, no, 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 that could, that didn't happen. No, no, no. And that was like, oh, yeah, maybe. (laughs) And the whole thing about, um, I don't even think, back when it was happening, I don't think I allowed myself to have the empathy for Monica Lewinsky mm-hmm. that I have now. I mean, now I see her, I think, oh, my stars, you know, and I kind of think about that with Fern, you know, that you carry your consequences, stay with you, even yeah. when you're not, when you're very young and you should be able to say, okay, that was then, this is, you know, but um, something about that, the consequences with that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just just one more quick question about the Vietnam War. My perception is, as someone from Austria, that the Vietnam War was this huge national trauma mm-hmm. for the United States, more than any other war before that. Yes, and that the other thing I was that I was thinking with that was that with Fern, you know, Fern's not political. She was not her her aunt Aunt Bell was was but but Fern was not political she wasn't you know but it still touched her mm-hmm. you know even it's like that war whether you whether you were out protesting or whatever even if you weren't it touched your life and affected your life and I think I wanted to kind of show that about the about war. And and Mac was not like a, a gung-ho soldier, yeah. but when he got there, he realized that he, I think I put it in the book, he could do things that other people couldn't, and he just wanted to do what he could do. And 
what a terrible thing. War is just so, I mean, right now, hadn't it just, it's been so hard in this past year. And just, I mean, before the, before the Ukraine war, I was like, oh, there's no, I couldn't even picture tanks and bombs and city, you know, and then I thought, well, you know, back in World War II, they couldn't picture that either mm-hmm. until it happened, you know, it's like, um, when are we ever going to figure this out? It, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, this, it, it seems so abstract. Mm. I don't know which uh, film it was, uh, because there was only a, a village, just yeah. no people there. And it looked like any normal village. Then they turn around the corner and the soldiers with their weapons. Mm. And it's, it seems like with Ukraine, one day yeah. it's regular day. And the next day, everything is turned upside down. Yes. One day you're at the mall at Starbucks or whatever. And then it's just, it's, I I don't know. It's just, it's been, it's very difficult. I'm I'm hoping. So unbelievable. Yes, it is unbelievable. And the Vietnam War still haunts us. You know, there was so much and I don't, you know, the truth about the truth about that, the truth about who knew what when or what was the reason for this, that or the other, that's still coming out. And it makes you crazy to think that uh, so many lives were lost and and then you I don't know. Yeah. 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 But it's more than just about war, your book. It's about we said before we came on on the show, we said it's about the question, what is a family? What makes a family? And also, what are parents? What makes parents? And how do you handle truth? Oh, yes. Or untruth. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, um, it is, it's, it's, you know, you, you see her parents, and I didn't really go too much into their story, but you see Matilda, her mother, and her father, and they're just in their own world. And I think, you know, it comes down to sometimes you, when you get older, you look back at people and you think they were doing the best they could. They, they were young. They didn't know what they were doing either. You know, people, the terrible things that happen and Belle coming home, that was, Belle gave up a lot when she came home. And there's a whole backstory about Belle that uh, if I do write about these characters again that I want to. She had a whole different life and she could have had a whole different life. And um, but she she came home and and did what she had to do for those kids. And that that says a lot about her. Yeah. Yeah. I would be interested in a sort of prequel maybe. I know. I had knee surgery October 24th, and so my knee replacement. So my whole thought was, oh, I'm going to spend my recovery time writing a little (laughs) Christmas story about this, you know, and then put it on my website, and oh, that's just going to be so great. I had no idea how much I was going to be dealing with with knee stuff. (laughs) That was totally stupid. But I did have some days where I've written some some things and I do want to I do want to either put it out in a book form or just put it on the website and and because as Belle gets into this is this is future but as Belle gets more into her Alzheimer's she loses more of a filter and you find out more about she and Bernice they have a very special relationship. That's that's what I was suspecting somehow. Yes, good. I'm glad. Okay, I'm glad that that came through a bit. But yeah, she and Bernice were, they had a very special relationship. They were very close. They loved each other. Mm-hmm. And that's something at that time that was so, but as you, 
but as she goes deeper into her dementia, she she connects with Bernice in her head, in her mind. And so that's um that's something I want to work on. Mm-hmm. Yes, be my dog market. Please do so. Maybe <laughs> for Easter. If not for Christmas, yeah. maybe. I know, I know. Something. It's like I just want to um but yeah, I'm I'm really glad you that that came through because I wanted it to with Belle. And I and I would like for to for Belle to have some chapters in the future. But now I'm okay. Now I'm just wasting y'all's time talking about daydreams. No, maybe like you said, it's in the future. There's always the possibility, and uh, like you said, I mean, maybe also her backstory, a, a little bit of a flashback, which we get through the book, sort of flashbacks when we learn about the past, like we said about Leona's responsibilities, and yeah. the whole situation with Fern and Mac. And also other people's uh, past and perspective. And what I also found interesting in the book is, or like you just said, people are young, people make mistakes. Could it also be that, for example, Matilda and her husband, that they were enough for each other and they would have been enough for each other, but they had children. And so, like you said, they were young, didn't know how to take responsibility. But some relationships are like that, aren't they? Where people are enough for each other. And although yes. there are children, um, yes. they are always on the outside somehow. They don't belong. They, yeah. They're not in the inner circle. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's, isn't it a, it's, I don't have children. And it's amazing to me that people just have children. You know, it's like, because that's a lot. And people have children when they're really young, yep. which is the way, you know, we're supposed to keep the world going. <laughs> but still, it's just like mentally, you just think it's a crapshoot, or that's not a good word. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, it's just, um, by chance that families work, I yep. think, yep. and mature, and and I get we all are just doing the best we can. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, I think it's better to get them the children when you're younger because then you don't overthink it. Mm. You just try to manage it somehow. That's a good point. Mm. That's a really good point. What about what about Roy, your character Roy, the preacher? I mean, he is not your usual fire and brimstone preacher. You might, or oh, I might. Have. He's more human. Yes, he's more human. He's a, he's a nice guy. I mean, you like him, even if you're not a religious person, which I'm not. But he's likable. Right. And I, and Roy, you can see that he has struggled. Yep. I think when his wife got cancer, he really believed. He wanted to believe so much that he could, that it would work out. And that when it didn't, he was, it crushed him. And he was so disappointed. And I I do, I love Roy so much. And I think that he his open mind. And, you know, my question to some, some minister friends was, would he survive, mm. you know, in the church? And fortunately things have, there are some very progressive churches now that, that aren't as, as rigid and inhuman, <laughs> inhumane or whatever. So I had a, I had a very good minister in Baton Rouge, Patty Snyder, who kind of showed me that churches could be for the people, for mm-hmm. people, the mystery, mm-hmm. you know, we're all just dealing with the mystery, but you feel, feel a connection with each other. And it's all about the love. 
And so that's kind of where Roy Roy came from. But I think, uh, you know, I think Roy's going to have some troubles with Hannah in the future. Talking about the parenting, I don't think Hannah's going to exactly be an easy teenager or whatever. (laughs) But and I had one person say, I just don't see what Roy sees in Fern. I don't see. But I could, I thought that, I think that he liked Fern because she was very open with him and honest and told him what she thought. Yep. She wasn't, you know, yep. she wasn't trying to impress him with her Christian values or whatever. Yeah, so. good, good point. Yeah. Because she, she tells him how she sees it. She's not holding yeah. back. No, she, it's like, take me or take it or leave it. Yeah. And I think, I think he, um, he respected that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but he did get jealous. He was very yes. jealous. Yes. That, you know, mm-hmm. and that was, um, I think that's kind of human. Absolutely. He, yes. Kind of a yes. human thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also his first, the first column he, he wrote in her paper, which also brought him to a point where you think he's, it's relatable. His character is relatable. Although he's a, he's a preacher, like you said, he has his doubts. And especially after what happened to his wife, it's only understandable. Right. I think we've all gone through that. I, you know, you you grow up or you're taught one thing, and then you're you, you have to question. Yeah. And then you you figure things out on your own. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And what about? I also liked one other character. She was a well, she was hilarious. Carol Ann. <laughs> okay. Do y'all have Carol Anns in Vienna? I mean, are there Carol Ann type characters? <laughs> I think so. I think so. There are Carol Anns in Vienna as well. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, she's um she's something. She really is, and I, I love their friendship. You know, yeah. I think that we because I I have friends that I've known for years and years, and we're different. But when you've known someone since childhood, there's you've just got that special bond. And um, yeah, Carol Carol Ann makes it happen. Someone <laughs> at a book club I went to, they were like, you know, Carol Ann made everything happen. Yep. She, you know, it's like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. She was she was just in there. Yeah, and she's <laughs> also yeah, and she's also a sort of oh, I don't give a flying hoo ha. Right, <laughs> I'll flirt with this young guy at the newspaper. It's like yes. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So what? I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but that are the most interesting characters mm. usually because they tell it how they see it and they tell the truth. You're right, right, right. And, and she's not afraid of young. You know, that's she's not going to let Leona intimidate her yep. either. And so I liked that. Yeah, Leona tends to walk over people, but like you said, uh, Carol Ann doesn't care. Dean says, Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yes. uh, Fern, I think she's a little bit afraid of her sister. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, of course, she's a no nonsense woman. And at the right moment, even Fern needs a no-nonsense woman like her sister. Yes, yes. I think with uh, that scene that comes to me when you say that is when um, Leona's trying really hard to get Max's service put together. Yep. And, and Fern's upset because Dean's run away and, you know, she just can't deal. And Leona's like, no, Mac deserves the service, you know. And yep. yes, we all need we all need a Leona for yep. sure. Yep. 
Yeah, and also how she dealt with uh, Max's sister. Anna, uh, yes, when they yes. spoke about the service. Yeah, that's what they needed to hear. Yeah, they exactly. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I need to I need to channel my inner Leona more. <laughs> <laughs> But people like her also need someone they can lean on mm. from time to time. Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, she was shouldering a lot of responsibility all through her life, even as yeah. an adult. Yes, yeah. And now she, and she's, yeah. she's got a road now ahead of her to, to try to help Caroline grow up, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she's still got a lot going on. And I don't know if it, do you think it would be weird if she and Doyle got together? No, no. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I mean, he needs a responsible adult in his life. <laughs> does. And uh, Leona needs someone who helps her to get a bit loosened up yes. from time to time. Yes. Yep. And I don't think Doyle's done with his um, journey as far mm. as his alcoholism, because that was another thing somebody said, you know, that didn't. And then just, you don't just like, that doesn't just go away, you no, know. No. So I think he's got a lot more to deal with. Definitely. Yes. I would say so. He has a long road ahead of him still. Yes. He does. Yeah. And I also wanted, because we were wondering about it, the emus. <laughs> so was that a thing in 1998 in the South to breed emus? It was kind of a flash of a thing. <laughs> But it was a thing. It was a crazy thing because all of a sudden people were like, oh, yeah, emu are going to be the next big thing. You know, they're and and so people bought emu and started emu farming. And of course, it is not the next big thing that didn't go anywhere. So it's there's still a few little emu farms around North Carolina, but not anything like people thought. So yeah, that was that was kind of a a boondoggle thing. But um, poor Dean, I you know he just wants to be his own guy, his own man so badly. He wants to do something so much, mm. and um and and he was you know for his for that to be the thing was just kind of like oh. <laughs> But I tell people no emu are harmed in this book. You know, it's like <laughs> yes, yes, that's. That's that's great to be honest. Absolutely, no emu were harmed. <laughs> no emu, no dog, and no cats were harmed. <laughs> oh, no animals. Nope. No, there's, there will never be an animal harmed in any book or any story I write. And, and you know what? If I'm reading something and I see that getting ready to happen, I stop. I'm terrible. I just can't handle it. It's like I can't handle bad things happening to animals. Believe People me. Are, Yeah, yeah, believe me, all authors know that you can kill everyone, but never a dog, for example. Yeah, not the animal. No, 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 no. Nope, it's simply not done. Absolutely not, to be honest. May I ask you, because it's interesting, you said Dean was the first character who came to you in this story and he introduced you to the others. And it took a lot of working out the chapters and the perspectives. Are you a planner? Or are you a panther or something in the middle, maybe? I think in between. My my good friend, Darnell Arnold, who helped me as a mentor and friend, she, you know, she's like, when the scene comes to you, write the scene. You know, don't worry about where it is in the book or whatever. If a character starts talking, 
and has something to say and something's going on, get that down and you can figure it out later. And you can do, and, and that helps, I think, because, because they do come to, you know, you know, from writing how scenes come to you and you've got to get them down when they come and you've got to get the words down as they're coming to you because you think, oh, I'll do that later. And then they're gone. Oh, sorry. That's terrible. Isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh you know. And so, um, so a lot of scenes, but then a lot of, you know, that thing about the arc, like who's, how does this happen? Where is this going to, how does this fit in? So, so the, the balance between the, the brains, the left brain, right brain, left brain, right brain, and trying to, um, to make it into a manageable thing. And I worked on this book. People say, how long did it take you to write this book? And I say, 66 years, you know, my whole life. But seriously, I've worked I worked on this book over 10 years. I've worked on it forever and in different points of view. And I know I read about your book and on the and, and the revision. Revision is a wonderful thing. And I kind of like I like revision. I like editing and revision and going back. And um I don't I don't write, you know, there's no sense in rushing it. Yep. Like writing it in different points of view. And then I have so much that didn't make the book and that hurt very badly because you always feel like that's the best part, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it, it takes, I, I admire people. I, you know, I, I admire people who get a book done any way they can get it done. It's like whatever works for you. Yep. But I also want to, to add here that, like I said, I'm 66 years old and I really want the message out there to be don't give up, do not give up. And there are so many ways now to get your book published. Mine's with a small independent press. You don't have to do the traditional anymore. You don't have to, you know, for years I sent out letters to agents and all that kind of thing and rejection, rejection, rejection. And but I, but I do want people to just hear the message, do not give up, keep writing your story, and that there are people out there who need your story and will appreciate your story. I did. Thank we, you. we did, yeah. to be honest. This is the greatest thing. I can't tell you how much this means to me. I just say the truth. I mean, yeah. I liked it. It was great reading it. And I I said to you, Tita, I'm glad that we got a mail from Hannah. Yeah. And otherwise, I would have found your book and I haven't read it and I would have not experienced this story. Thank you so much. This is just a, this is a huge gift. Just a truth. Thank yeah. you. I also wanted to ask you about the role of the media in your book. Because we said yeah. it's set in 1998. Uh, Fern works for the local newspaper. And I mean, then and today, I mean, things might have been easier to brush under the carpet maybe not right. get them out that easily as it would be today yes nothing gets brushed under the carpet today things get made up yeah. and brought out the other carpet. way <laughs> it works the other way around today i would have never i worked in television and i would have never ever imagined that things could be like they are now as far as like misinformation and just getting out there and no one being able to prove or whatever it needs to be that, that that's not the way things are. 
I didn't realize that people were so willing to believe whatever they wanted to believe and mm-hmm. run with it. And it's just, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't, I don't know. My husband teaches journalism at the university here. And that's a interesting thing to be trying to teach now. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> For young people to, to say, yeah, they hadn't always been like this. I guess it has become more difficult to teach it now. I think so. I think he, I think so. There's just so many new ways, you know, uh, to, and which are good, you know, like we were talking about the publishing, these new things are good. And, and, but at the same time, you know, with freedom comes responsibility and the responsibility part seems to be kind of difficult to get a handle on. But and, me- I think maybe be, nowadays, maybe a story wouldn't become that big or might get lost in all the other news. That's true. I know. I know. It is. That's that's very true. But again, back with the Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, you know, that was like, you couldn't believe you were hearing the things you were hearing over the television. And I'm not saying that should have been slept under the rug. I mean, that was something needed to happen. That was bad. But it, it it has just gotten so so crazy and, and, it, think, that, yeah, and also <laughs> a little bit out of proportion maybe uh, so what's it like where what's it like there uh, you mean currently in austria yeah ms ms is your, your media more responsible oh no I mean, I so. they, uh, you, you sometimes get the feeling as if they uh, have an agreement what not to write and what to write. Uh, and sometimes you are even surprised what they do write about, right. uh, if they are brave enough to write it. Yeah. Otherwise, think, it's, yeah. It's, but it's not so, like in the United States, so no. one channel that's so right or left wing. No, I think no. that's not. You don't no, have Fox News. You don't have a Fox News, and it's it's and it's almost like it's just the money, you know. What if they can make money saying something? If they can, you know, they'll do it. It's just it's just nuts. I don't know. I mean, it's not so completely divided here in Austria. Uh, you mm-hmm. could get the impression. Correct me if I'm wrong, of course. That at the moment, uh, the United States are completely divided and yeah. you you can't seem to find a common ground. No. And we've got to. I mean, we can't. We That's exactly the way it is. It's like, it's almost like who's going to, who's going to make the first step for the common ground? It's like, I don't want to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, but we've got to, something's got to, I don't know what's going to happen. But it is like that. And okay, so we're coming up on the holidays. And I'm very fortunate that my family, again, we're of we're of like mind. But I I have friends whose families are divided. And it's so it's sad and it's difficult. And I don't know what's gonna happen. I I really don't. And I guess it's, you know, I don't know. This is not how I thought I'd spend my golden years. And this terrible thing, but there we do. We've got to we've got to figure out how to talk to each other little by little. Yeah. And but as soon as you know, it's almost like people just throw blow torches in there, you know, mm-hmm. and and then then it just lights up again. So yeah, and and everyone seems to be instantly offended, even if yes. you look at them the wrong way. And yes, you know. yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, it's not how it should be, actually. No, it's the wrong way because it divides people instead of bringing them together. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And it's um. I don't. I don't. I have no idea how what's going to happen. We have a. We have another election today, I think, in one of, in Georgia in our state, and so we'll. And I'm kind of a news junkie too, so I, you know, <laughs> watching that. <laughs> and and I also wanted to ask you about life in North Carolina compared to South Carolina, because I do remember there was this uh, comedian, your American uh, comedian. What's her name? She only recently um, passed away, and she was a former beauty pageant. Oh. What was her name? She was a very tall woman, short hair, and she had a she had she had this 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 comedy going on, and she talked about her husband. Uh, uh, she called him left brain or something like that. You do you know who I talk about? <laughs> who that is i'm probably i'm probably i'm just having a moment i can't think of who that might be and there was always uh, there was also always something about south carolina and north carolina in her in her show oh so that's that, that's why i wanted to ask you about okay. the difference between north carolina and south carolina what there's that um there's There's this one saying that uh, North Carolina is a veil of humility between two mountains of deceit. I think there's also something you wrote in your book. Yeah, I put that in there. But um, I've lived, I grew up, I was born in North Carolina, then grew up in Virginia. And then I've lived in South Carolina and we're all pretty much, it's all the same. <laughs> But okay. there's, uh, it's. It is, but there's, you know, that history, that history is just, uh, it's, it's not history, you know, it's mm -hmm. still, it's still there. And that's something that we, we have to, to live with and deal with and work on and work through still. Mm -hmm. And so I think that with the Southern states, the South Carolina, Virginia, North Carolina, all, you know, but, um, so there's there's that we're all we're all one big thing one big thing but um i the coast is beautiful the mountains are beautiful that's one thing we all have good with the with the virginia north carolina south carolina you know we have you have the gorgeous coast and then you have the mountains so we feel very fortunate with that and um there's you know there's a competition with the food mm. you know south carolina would say they have excellent food and i'd have to kind of agree with that you know <laughs> you can't beat charleston for restaurants and all but um you guys need to come over here <laughs> we might someday i wish you would if you do please let me know oh my god i would love to show you around <laughs> i have to tell you we've got quite a few invitations I bet North Carolina, real the writers around here. Oh my word! In Hillsboro, we have Lee Smith, Jill McCorkle, Clyde Edgerton lives in North, uh, the Southern novelist people are. There's just so many great people, and there's a Jason Mott. He lives in Wilmington, and he just wrote a book called I don't have it right beside called Hell of a Book. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing book. I I totally recommend that book. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I will. I'm looking around at my books here, but yeah, come to North Carolina. We could we can just set up and do podcast all day long, <laughs> <laughs> every day probably. But yeah, and, and there's a, a friend of mine's coming up. She's got a Marjorie Hudson has a book coming up called Indigo Fields. Okay, 
And um, I hope that Hannah, I'll get, I'll send y'all one because that's going to be an amazing book. Mm-hmm. When will it be out? It, in March. And oh. it, it, she, Marjorie, Marjorie goes into the difficulties of the South mm-hmm. in this book in a good way. So I, I highly recommend that. So but maybe. I'll, I'll, Maybe you can tell her she might want to drop us a line and maybe she wants to come on. She would love to and she'd be a great interview. Good. She's a she's an amazing person. Yeah. Well, um, wonderful. I could keep y'all in people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone can keep us in people. We have Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> we I have lots you yeah, have lots of dates in um, our calendar. I see we're talking really, about, yeah. about the importance of food. What about the importance of drinks? Oh, Yeah, bourbon's a thing. Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> bourbon is a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm more of a red wine person, you know. But but yeah, the drinks the drinks are are bourbon ish. Mm. Okay. So for the yeah. red wine, you would have to come. To our neck I'll, of the woods. I will be very happy to. We haven't traveled since COVID. Hmm. My husband and I are going nuts. It's like it, it's 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 terrible. I can't. I cannot wait to get on an airplane and fly, 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 fly. <laughs> you know. ah, we're just. It was lovely to do it again this year. Yes, we yeah. did it again only this year because, like you said, COVID yeah. got in the yes. way. So yeah. It's just been way too long. I'm just hungry for um, over the pond. I yep. need to get over the pond. Vienna is going nowhere. Oh, my stars. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're dying to, to get back out there. Yeah, can you imagine? And you have to take your time for Europe, you know? Yeah. That's a lot to see, a lot to experience. And also, Patty, may I ask you now after writing this book... What would be your advice for any other author out there? To keep writing, to find a community of, of readers that you trust. I took, I've taken every workshop. I went back to school and got an MFA in Memphis and I had great instruction there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a balance between, and you know this, <laughs> between being alone and doing it and then talking to the chattering teacup and saying, okay, <laughs> and sharing your work and then, and taking what you get from that. And then yep. going back, being alone, I've taken work, you know, just uh, take every opportunity to, um, to get out there and, and listen to other writers and, and read, but to, to not give up, to believe in your story, to believe in your story and to, to just keep doing it. And to be open to other ways of publishing. And you know something, Edith, this is this is where I am now with this. I'm so glad I published South of Heaven. I, I really appreciate Scott Douglas at um, Main Street Rag for publishing South of Heaven. That was a tremendous gift to me. That said, it's about the writing. You know, it's the joy of it is getting the story down and and creating it. That's that's the joy of it. And you get caught up in the promotion of it and the, oh, how do I sell? I know my friends are so sick of seeing my book cover on Facebook. They <laughs> can just die. You know, it's like, 
give it a rest, girl. Give it a rest. We've read it. <laughs> you know, we're done with it. You know, you get tired of yourself. You get tired of yourself talking about yourself and promoting your, you know, it's like, because you want to get back to the characters. And I'll say one more thing, too, about this. Uh, I wrote South of Heaven. Main Street Rag published it. And then I found myself, people were like, oh, that's, and I, I, I found myself saying, well, you know, it's not war and peace, okay? You know, it's not like going to set the literature world on fire, or anything. And so I, I'd kind of like, ah, it's just the Southern. And I promise you that when I was saying that one time, Dean came to my head, Dean walked right into my head and looked at me and said, we told you everything. We gave you our whole story. And now you're out there dissing it. <laughs> telling people it's not worth their time. And I mean, it was like, okay, I'm sorry. You're right. You you gave me your time. You told me your story, and I need to respect that. So that's another thing: respect your characters, respect what they're telling you, um, honor them with your with your work, mm-hmm. and and just don't give up, people. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah. And would you also agree that there is only so much you would change for an editor? Oh, uh, I don't know. I I'm pretty pliable. <laughs> 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 I mean. I say that, but it, uh, there were, yeah, there were some things. Catherine Mila, one of my good friends, read it, and she had amazing edit advice for me. I mean, it, it would have been a greater book if I could, but I wasn't, I, I didn't have the talent, the capability. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I couldn't do everything. And I, I, but she saved me on some things, some big things that I was, I had blind spots on. So I I say that you have to be, so be open to what people are telling you. And especially if you hear it a couple of times, don't just, you know, be open to it. But, but there are things like, there were some things that I, I didn't want to change. You know, when you fall in love, when you're in love with Dean and you're in love with Roy, (laughs) your characters, you're like, no, I'm sorry. That's how they are. That's what they Yeah, and that's how they should be. I mean, like I said, they are very relatable, the characters. And there isn't, well, maybe the sweaty guy, but otherwise there does not one, would you say, you absolutely hate. There are a few you would like to shake. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. But can I use that as a blurb? (laughs) (laughs) Feel free. That's so great. I love that. I mean, this this guy, he might, I mean, he's, uh, I told you so, uh, Teacup, I said, I mean, he's a little guy. I mean, he he needs to get off on being the jerk he, he needs to someone to else. Yes, for his ego. The sheep love around. Yes. And, and like you said, some some are there to shake them and get out of their headspace, maybe, or how they learn things all their lives. Yes. And I got the impression also that quite a few people along the way, uh, changed their perspective in the book. That's been um, a true joy for me is I've I've visited uh, really small town bookstore, book clubs um, in North Carolina, where you would not think there would be much progressive thought. And I have been just overwhelmed by how compassionate people are and how, and I feel like it's because 
they've gotten to know these characters and they, and I don't even call them, I think calling them characters is, you know, they're people, my people, they've gotten to know my people and they see they're beginning. It's opened minds because when you see someone, when you get to know somebody in a circumstance, that's different than, you know, Mm -hmm. an idea. Mm -hmm. And it's just been, it's been just great hearing people talk about my people, like their neighbors and, um, People they know. That's just the great. That's a great, great gift. So exactly. Yeah, I hope that the the storyline can can change, mm-hmm. can help. And it kind of makes me want to keep on with these people. Is that wrong? Do I need to get a life? I need to get. <laughs> no, no, that's not wrong. I mean, that's no. that's something I think a lot of writers experience, because sometimes uh, writers say, "Oh, uh, my character was looking over my shoulder and told me." Maybe not. Did you ha- did you experience that? I didn't, to be honest. Yeah. But some some obviously do. Yeah. Yes. Under a few steps, I don't know which one is the most daring. First, writing the book yourself, then giving it to someone else um, to read it, and maybe putting it in front of a an editor or publisher, then releasing it out to the world. The editor, it's the last maybe. step, but it's I guess everyone every step is a bit. I think, and I think the editor is frightening, and the the large audience, the public, is frightening. You are not frightening, my dear, because you always say it's okay. <laughs> you you need someone to say it's okay because you need to hear it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> you know, you do I, I, exactly. There's not one easy thing about it. No. I mean, there's. No, I mean, you think, I used to think, okay, well, if I just get it written, okay, well, somebody would publish it. Well, then it, then it's like, well, then now what are you going to do with it? You know, and it's just, there's just no, no easy thing. And that's why it was kind of nice during my little knee re- surgery recovery to get back to the, just me and the laptop and Dean and Fern <laughs> and Doyle, you know, just sitting around the kitchen table talking. It was like, oh, thank God we're back. You know, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We don't have to worry about whether somebody will buy it or not. You know, it's just nuts. Exactly. But, but that's the that's the thing. Yes, but you have to get it out somehow because, and you can't go on editing, editing, editing. Yeah. Because some at some point you have to say, yeah, let go. I forgot to mention this, but the pandemic helped me a lot. I mean, being shut down was a. I don't think I'm. It might not have happened without the pandemic. If because, um, you know, I don't have a busy life, but you everybody's got people, oh, let's do this, let's do that. And it's like to be able to say no was kind of a gift. And I, it was just me and the computer. And then during that time is when uh, Main Street Rag was looking for novels. And so I sent them chapters and they said, yeah. And then it was like, oh, my stars, somebody's might actually read this. Whoa, I've got to change some names and make things happen. You know, so um, so that really was a lit a fire. Uh, yeah, it's not and, all bad. But then no. it was not all bad. No, I know. <laughs> I know. And I, and I swore that I wasn't going to just, and then things get crazy. Yeah. And Patty, what are your plans, your future? I mean, you uh, mentioned maybe a prequel, sequel, but what other plans are there? I, I work on, I have some short stories that I've had. I have, I have short stories that I want to get out there and, and get right. So I want to work on those, but I do think that I'll, 
whether I publish something with South of, another thing is South of Heaven or just make it available on the website. I think I will do something with that just because it's fun. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love these people. And they won't be quiet. So, you know, that's what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, good. That's, that's more perfect. To more to read. Yes. And write the prequel. <laughs> okay, okay. In a prequel. A prequel. Okay. okay. I, I want I want to learn I'll more about them. I'll just write to Edith, for Edith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I want to learn a bit more about Belle. She's an a fascinating character. She is a fascinating character. And she's um there's a lot to her. There's yep. a lot. And she came up at a time that was a very difficult time with a mother who was and family in that small town. And um, that, so yeah, there's a lot of interest, but I think that's who, that's what made Belle who she is. Mm. There was some talk about in one book club about Fern's decision, you know, to have Dean, to have the baby. And it's like, it, wouldn't it be wonderful if every girl had a Belle who said, we'll, we'll deal with this. We'll make this happen. You're, yeah. It's going to be, okay. you know, every girl doesn't have that. Mm. So yeah. Belle was, um, okay, more Belle. More belly. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and Patty, is there anything else you would like our listeners to know? No. Y'all are been y'all been great. I've just enjoyed this. I didn't realize how much I needed to talk about everything. Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Ramble. You're mm. most welcome. It was an enjoyable chat, I'd say. I've enjoyed it very much. It's so great to meet you guys. Thank you. You're most welcome. It, it was our pleasure, Teacup, wasn't it? Yep, it was. Yep. You did enjoy this episode as much as we did? Then hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you like to support us and buy us a coffee, you can do so via Buy Me Coffee and other platforms. You can find all the necessary links in the description. Until next time.